Welcome to the Crone's Porch, magic, witchcraft, and a limited approach to magical faith. This is your grandmother's podcast. Content warning for the use of colorful language, general curmudgeonry, and just some wintry sourness. Uh, these opinions are our own, which we express as practitioners following a crone path. On this episode, we talk about crones, revisit our crone conversations from our very first episode, and talk about that third winter and that big winter crone energy. Hi, Ian. Hi, Colin. How are you doing? I okay. That I I think my answer has actually changed. Normally, I would I would always do the like I'm doing good, even though that's a lie and not doesn't capture everything. I now just say when everyone asks me how I'm doing, that's a loaded question, and then no answer after that. Perfect. <laughs> I've started saying I've started saying reflexively good. That's great. <laughs> that's also a good answer. <laughs> but I'm doing all right. Um, it's unseasonably warm. False spring is upon us in southern New York. Uh, I don't know if it's false spring where you are in New York. It has been. Today is sunny but chilly. Um, yep. Descending and, into third winter. <laughs> and yeah. And uh, Rochester's not okay, but, you know, we'll make it through. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot consistently. But, I mean, how's, uh, how's quarantine life for you? Um, I'm getting bored. I've played all my video games, like, when I have a chance, when I've had the chance. I've read a bunch of, like, I've been consuming so many books and articles, mostly social justice oriented, but I'm getting into, like, queer oriented books because I'm, like, exploring that gender journey and changing my pronouns and figuring that shit out, updating my wardrobe, mm -hmm. working working spiritually on that change, which has actually been very rewarding. Like, um, I've had an experience where I was, like, I don't know if this is something to go to, and then a deity reply, like, by literally being, like, images of, like, Man, I'm a man. I'm a woman. I'm neither. Fuck you. I can do be whatever I want. You should too. Ah, uh, yeah. I love that roll up. Squaggles. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So it's been an interesting, an interesting time. I am on a mental health day, so I'm actually kind of enjoying myself. Um, I took off of work because I was like depressed and burned out, and I'm starting to feel a little bit better. So I'm going to take this weekend to wipe off some of that trauma. Woo. Dust your shoulders off. I've been getting into reading too, and I've been trying to inject. Uh, I don't want to say a fun reading, but like you know, just, mm. just enjoyment, artistic readings into like things I just enjoy reading into that. Uh, I finally have my. I have Amazon wish list. Make it easy to organize things, but fuck you, Amazon. Um, but yeah. I have my Amazon wish list in order to actually read the full the fullness that is the the Hellboy series mm. in order with the woven BPRDs and the supplemental things that are like in other stories that Mike Magnolia has written right. over time. And I finally have it ordered so that I can actually make my way through it. So that made me excited exciting thing is that the the Ithaca library has most of the BPRD and Hellboys so you can get them on loan through Binghamton because they'll send them down 
That would be great. I actually should pursue that. I do definitely want to own them. And I'm happy that over time, Dark Horse has, you know, been pretty committed to the Hellboy series of like releasing them as anthologies and as like different sets of VPRD 10 year gaps and right. um, Abe's volume one and two and a couple others. There's only a few things that are outside the universe. Like there's a couple Hellboy references or at least pop-ups in, I think, Mike Magnolia's Jackhammer series and one other, oh, his Lobster Johnson series. So there's like some out of universe thing, well, not out of universe, but like side tangent stories you have to read to get the fullness that is his universe. But I finally have it all down and it gets updated. There's this group online. I don't have a link right now, so I'm not gonna send one to you. That like keeps the universe reading order, like produces a yearly reading map as different uh, omnibus volumes come out to like make sure that the order still stays good so I actually updates fairly often and it makes and me happy. I, and I, I suggest to our listeners to to read those while there are lots of ways that um, it kind of casts <laughs> our beliefs in a in, in a evil light it's it's about it's you can learn from it there's a lot to be learned from and then also taking joy in the subversive element of our faith. <laughs> it's role. true i don't know if i would i i can definitely see where you're going because it's yeah, it's a trap of magic evil you know spirits otherworldly things dark depressing i see it more as like the characters themselves are evil this is just their their tools because there are magic users on both sides true of the bprd and all of their evil villains rasputin just happens to be like the centralized character as a right. mythical magic figure I appreciate that the uh, the fair folk tend to be cast as neutral and individual. Some are malicious, some are not. And the yeah. gods definitely take a neutral role. They are definitely not terribly interested in being on the good guys or the bad guys. They are the gods, and that's what they do. So I appreciate that. When they do show up, very rarely. Yep. But Yeah, so I really appreciate Mac McNulia's, uh take on a fairly Eastern European story. Very Slavic focused, yeah. Yeah, um, which is odd for such a seminal series. Yeah, Neil Neil Gaiman and Mike Magnolia are definitely one of my go-tos for people who are like interested in media that like has magical faith okay. elements and substance to that magical and faith substance. Element. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So today we're gonna do our first kind of uh, double take episode we finally made it around fully to our first ever episode date i think we're a little past it because i think we did our first we did episode. march first yeah um so i guess officially happy one year <laughs> to yes. us yay so we're gonna do our first double take of a topic we're gonna go back to our roots our first topic was like what are i don't remember our first title uh, but something about what are crones and crones stuff yeah I, I mean, we're, and we're definitely going to focus in on winter crones, considering, like you said, we're going into third winter. Um, uh, but, but uh, yeah, it's back around to discussing our crones and our philosophies and ideas have sort of changed since we started. And we're, I guess it's time to revisit from that lens. So Ian, do you have anything you'd like to begin with? I mean, I guess we can start with like, uh, what? let's do the quick recap, like the couple minutes about like what kind of defines a crone, both kind of historically and metaphysically. Mm. 
for me, like historically, I mean, crone can basically mean just old woman. Um, and like generally the word like crone and hag implies like a magical practitioner or at least something like outsidery and like mysterious. Like your old grandma, like if you're in like a traditional village, your old grandma probably lives with you and whatever. She's just like grandma, old woman. But like the the old lady who lives at like the edge of the village or in the forest on her own, she's like a crone. And like she often, at least in Europe, it's often seen as she usually takes the role of like healer. Like people go to her for like what is basically folk magic, healing, mm -hmm. protection, or even like curses and things, pre-made like curses, different things. And so like the outsider who is mysterious and magical and wise and somewhat dangerous but also mm -hmm. but so i like to really bring that crone energy is the not just it's not gendered i think in my mind crone isn't gendered but more a state of being which is kind of the outsider the fluid the magical the mysterious the dangerous the subversive that which the authorities don't really like, like if you're talking about like a traditional European village in Christian, in the Christianized period, like generally the church and its patriarchy very much frowned on the old ladies out in the woods who would do like folk healing and, and that sort of thing, herbalism mm -hmm. and whatnot that were outside of the teachings of the church. So for me, metaphysically and historically, the crone is the magic outsider and that fits a very queer experience, which we both embody pretty well. I think we're both we're both pretty crony. We have a lot of age to catch up on, but um, <laughs> I think our outlook and our our journey is crone. Yeah, and I also really appreciate that crones usually exhibit, especially that Christian period, uh, medieval Europe, almost the last resort, the thing on the fringe of society that uh, you probably wouldn't go to unless you had no other choice. You'd visit your village healer, your village doctor, your village priest, whoever is going to do your usual, I don't know, mid whatever, the medieval, usual leech stuff. Yeah. <laughs> usual. And I would say that it's not, you can see this sort of status in different roles too, because women could also act as crones by like, being subversive in their role like you could be a crone by being moving outside of your set role and mm -hmm. then transgressing against society in a way that empowers you and therefore is magical like uh, blacksmiths are another great example because blacksmiths were often seen to have some magical power like people would take their babies to a blacksmith when they were sick possibly and the blacksmith would hammer on the anvil next to the baby to try to get rid of whatever's messing with like and the idea of blacksmiths creating something almost magically, transmuting what appears to be ore, like rock, into an item, or casting bronze, like making a mm -hmm. sword of bronze, like casting bronze into a mold, breaking it and having a sword, like well, that's where the sword in the stone comes from. If you ever <laughs> watch a video of someone casting a bronze sword, you'll understand why. But like this idea of those who sort of create or empower themselves by transgressing and going against what is viewed as natural or understandable is is very much kind of a crone thing and i think that's why crones and hags tend to be called negative because they transgress against what is comfortable or what is yep. that what is the status quo and when we talk about our squads our goddesses later on i think we can point that out in them as well 
Yeah, and I think one of my favorite things about Crohn's is they always represent, uh, I don't want to say a, sub a submission to, but an embracing of unknown and change. Like through all the myths that I can think of where Crohn's pop up, they're usually some antagonistic force for the main character to either have to rail against in order to go through a dramatic transformation or they present the challenge or the riddle or they're, they're the ones who just like push push a little harder than the rest of the, the conflict does. Because the conflict usually is some traditional good versus evil, you know, uh, prevailing hero storyline. And the crone will always add that twist. Like you have to think more creatively. You can't just, you know, muscle your way through. You can't just, you know, wield whatever power or privilege to just get the job done. You have to think creatively. Agreed. I think that they fill the three three different roles generally when I'm thinking of off the top of my head is what you said is the trickster mm -hmm. who humbles the arrogant and the powerful and teach and teaches and is a teacher. The creatrix, so when they're seen as more powerful or as, as more positive, generally I think I found is they are a creator and often they lose their life in that act of creation, but then are reborn through it. And oh yeah, they're the ones who are like, I'm gonna jump into the like the pit because I'll see you on the other side. Disappear, reborn into like a small, into a small. Yeah, thing. so trickster, creatrix, and then often like um, uh, and so I guess that I guess it's harder to say three because then you could also say like the flip side of the coin is destroyer, and that destroyer leads to rebirth, mm -hmm. and then healer as well as like murderer so that creates that sort of because like if you're thinking like like baba yaga like you said <laughs> she she is often seen as malevolent because she like eats children and kills people but then she also is in stories like equally as helpful teaches heroes and helps helps those overcome the power helps the weak overcome the strong yeah, there's a real understanding for crones that they are pieces of change. And so there's almost a, a giving in to whatever change I need to be, whatever force for whatever the universe is moving towards, I will be because no matter what, uh, my role will be important, no matter if it's aggressive, helpful, creative, destruction, change is inevitability and so sometimes you just succumb to your almost in a in a fun way you succumb to yourself to just like the universe's plan because you know it'll work out there's no there's nothing to fear in the unknown yeah or at the very least like um the idea that that fear will not destroy you yep it will temper you mm-hmm so now that we have that out of the way, like what crones are, I mean, what, what, I don't even know where to go next. After that. I mean, we what could, do you want to do next? Yeah. We could talk, we could talk squad and go into like our, our, like the ones we know in more depth. We really kind of touched on a whole bunch and I can do a roundup yeah. if we wanted to, but I think <laughs> we should really talk about the ones that we have connections to and get like a more deeper understanding of how they connect to us personally. Oh yeah, I mean, I guess the transition uh, conversation would be like, why, why crones always somehow seem to pop up in winter? Like, there are definitely crones that aren't winter related in many a different mythologies and cultures, but why predominantly when the world thinks about crones, they usually are related to winter? And I will preface that with, yes, 
white supremacy and yes, <laughs> winter crones tend to be European based predominantly, but besides that, why are, why are crones usually always associated right. with winter? Well, I will say in response to that, like we've had conversations, like if you want a con an in-depth conversation about white supremacy, listen to Drew explaining. I just did a whole thing about that. But um, I, I think that if we're using just a European lens, like we're pretty, try to be pretty honest about, we're talking about not an American lens even, but a European one. Mm -hmm. um, that I think that partly it is bad press um, from the church <laughs> in its various incarnations um, who kind of associate the elderly with the old woman as sort of dangerous and destructive. And winter is a time where lots of people traditionally die. Um, and we can see that in our world still, like, hashtag Texas, um, like why people were afraid of winter. But like, but also the idea of casting the old woman as the winter in that it's kind of like the idea of the winter of your life, you've gotten old, you're close to dying. Um, the idea of the old woman being dangerous because she transgresses. And if we want to get into gender ideas, I did a, a read really interesting papers during my anthropology degree about how the old woman can often, in a patriarchal culture, can be seen as the not woman, the woman who is not woman because she cannot fulfill the duties that are designed by men for a woman, such as procreation, being an object of desire, um, serving serving men in, in, in ways that are helpful to patriarchy. So the subversive, the dangerous, but also the powerful, like you can't stop winter. Mm -hmm. Winter is a is is a is a force and it's unrelenting. And I think that goes back to a respect for the land. And at least in most parts of Europe, seeing the land as feminine um, and seeing the land as 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 a motherly figure. And some of us, when we get old, get crusty and angry. And so <laughs> what if what if a mother got old, then she may be in fact winter and be um crusty and angry and slap your hand and do all this stuff but i i think that that part being remembered is another part of the church type of idea of trying to cast the 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 paganism the things that were important as evil and only taking the parts that were convenient to show that narrative because i don't think that crones were permanently crones like as we've talked about there are cycles so a goddess and earth goddess would go from maiden mother crone but all that's remembered is the crone because that's the one that's dangerous and upsetting and talks to the narrative of patriarchy and christian of uh, supremacy yeah yeah drag them <laughs> drag that christian supremacy yeah so who are some of your favorites which um and i and i i do want to point this out just in the interest of like tearing down christian supremacy is if you look at the story of Jesus in the New Testament, it's the young God cycle. You'll never be able oh. to unsee it. A hundred percent is the young God cycle. It's the young God prevailing against the old God cycle. <laughs> it's it's literally the it's almost entirely the story of Baal. Like yeah, isn't there a specific story where the like there are specific stories of Jesus railing against the teachings of God at some point of saying like no we don't need to follow that exactly those were for specific purposes we can have that was, more... that's that's the new covenant thing 
that that's yeah. the that's where he said he said the 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 old covenant between God and the Jewish people is no longer relevant because I am now sacrifice and everybody who believes in me is new covenant. We don't need to follow all those rules anymore, which is yeah. basically pandering to the Greeks because the Greeks were a little bit like, oh no, circumcision sounds scary, and the the. I could go on a whole podcast about early church politics, but that's not the time or space. Or our, or our podcast. <laughs> no, or our podcast. Um, <laughs> sorry, what was your question? Oh, no, so what are some of your favorite Crohn's and what do they mean to you? And I don't want to say how do you use them because we don't use anything, but how might they influence your practice? Mm, so two that I can think of really off the bat that I've had like long-term interactions with um well i guess these that we're talking like winter because like we've talked about bob like bob of the morrigan she mm -hmm. she brings that like ride or die energy like her her thing is she is the battle crow that is her thing she is she is the crows that land on the bodies of the dead and inspire people in combat so like her thing is death but also that leads back around to being part of the Morrigan leads back around to rebirth. So like the idea that confrontation and combat and, and conflict can create strength, I think, mm -hmm. and that, it, that it's kind of what you need it to be. I haven't done much with Bob singularly, so I can't speak beyond that. Um, I've also encountered, and we both can talk about this, is Scotty. Um, and Scotty's awesome. Her story is basically of being um, sort of representative. She is a Jotun. She is a giant, um, daughter of Theodzi. Um, and she gets, depending on the story, and one, she gets screwed over and kills her father um, and kind of dies of grief, which I call bullshit on. Um, then there's the other story where her father is killed by the Aesir, and she sort of marches up to Asgard and is like, I demand, I demand repayment. I demand blood money for the death of my father. And they say, okay, you can marry one of our, one of our guys. And she's like, okay, well, I'll take Balder. And Odin's like, oh shit. Um, you can choose by their feet. <laughs> and she ends up picking Niord, who they have a respectful relationship, but they get divorced basically. But she becomes a part of the Aesir as sort of a, a tempering hand against their genocidal tendencies. But <laughs> yeah. she is a goddess of ice and snow, and I think that her her idea of being outsider also sort of kind of in the same sort of could be read as lesbian boat as Artemis, as like <laughs> the woodsy huntress type. Very strong, very stoic. And in my interactions with her, she's fair-minded, but she's not very coddly. She's yeah. not super sensitive like emotionally she's very much calm cool collected strength oriented um and about she does have like a building bridges aspect like a like a fairness and justice are important um and with her i found that uh, she's also kind of a land goddess like there's some there is some debate but etymologically it seems like scandinavia is literally a couple translations downward version of the word for like Scabi's land. Like Scandinavia <laughs> is named after Scabi. And so it's her, she is earth goddess there. Um, and that leads me to another great earth goddess that I've discussed many times before is Ankalyach, 
which is Gaelic. And she also seems to e- possibly be even like part of a Pictish, like like the crossover mm-hmm. between Pictish and Gaelic. And she is of Scotland, um, less so of Ireland, because it there's a lot of sovereignty goddesses all over the place in Ireland and so, in some ways in Scotland. But the Highlands of Scotland seems very much on Kaliak's territory. And she is winter as Vera. Um, she her hammer makes the ground freeze. Um, she is the creatrix of the land, like the hills and mountains are all her creation. Mm-hmm. She, I get very giant vibes off of her. Like she is ancient, she is old, <laughs> she is distant, but she yep. is eternal. And she's very much a crone in what I've seen in terms of my practices. She's a crone in that there are lessons to be learned and there is respect to be given. But while other deities are more personable, she's a little bit farther away. She does what she wants to do. And she is ancient, deeply ancient, and therefore in some ways not understandable for from like a modern world. Um, I hate to sound like hippy-dippy, but in some ways it's true that if you don't live a land-based lifestyle, there are some energies that are really difficult to tap into. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's one of those, I'm figuring. The, the longer I've been living in a s- urban, suburban environment, the less I've been able to connect with Ankaliak in a personal way. Um, and I think that has very much to do with how I'm living, how I have to live my life right now. And quarantine. Um, <laughs> and quarantine. So what I generally go to the crones for is, is strength, purpose, um, respect, just because they are kind of the underpinnings of like the world in some ways. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that like the world is held up by old queer women, I guess. <laughs> from your lips to the god's ears um i mean that that's a conversation because it's you can't even apply the word queer because that's a box that the deities don't want either yeah like they are they are whatever they are um and so for me crones are less accessible in a like i want to get to know you sort of way necessarily in my experience but more in a like I see you and I respect you and your influence is felt and understood, but I don't mm-hmm. have to, like, I can, I can really sink my teeth into working with the Tua and all their cultural background and all their baggage um, and all their, like, this, that, and the other thing, their stories. Whereas with crones, it's like, no, you are here. You are eternal. You are what you are. And I respect that solidity, fluidity. Um, but there's not as much to latch on to. So I can only like, I can't think too hard about it. It's not about thinking. It's about sort of going with it rather than like investigating. Cause you can excavate all the cultural stuff you want at the, but when it comes down to it, I feel like crones are bedrock. Yeah. Breaking, breaking through the bread, like walking on bedrock is a very solid, empowering, interesting experience and watching it all. It's, eddies and cool lines like I love that's why there's like exposed cliff and everything you get to see it and experience it and walk on it and see all of its craggles and crinkles and irregularities but there's only you destroy it when you start to try to break through it like if you want to try to access what riches you think might be underneath it you you destroy the experience in some ways and while you may have to sometimes you you can't really negotiate with bedrock you, you just respect it for what it is. 
<laughs> True. I think for me, the crowds I tend to link up with are oh, usually live in one or two worlds. One side is the Baba Yaga side. Um, 100% the witch, hag, not necessarily deity. They're just someone who lives such a life that they have just been able to transcend time. They either found the secrets to immortality or the secrets to everlasting life or the secrets to just an everlasting influence. Um, so, <laughs> which for me very much embodies the crone lifestyle of like, fuck it, deities aren't the only ones who can live forever. <laughs> True. Baba Yaga represents something really interesting to me, even though I don't have it connected with her, in the idea of like, Baba Yaga may be like a gestalt entity. She is not deity. She is not human. She is like every crone person who went before that has taken shape of a witch. And so yep. her eternality is almost ancestral. But I don't yep. know. That's just my impression. <laughs> yeah, so like, so that's on one end. And then the other end is uh, Martana and Zoira sisters, but specifically Zoira of the, of the Evening Star, which represents for me the life cycle of the crone of someone who started out young usually in the springtime very much connected to life and fertility and agriculture uh, or morning light with the youngest Zoira sister in the in the uh, light of the dawn or even the light of twilight these like young entities who live for small periods of time and then live until their age at time so Zoira of the midnight star being the the longest part or not the longest part but the darkest the end times the <laughs> literally end of day era of the Zoya sisters or Marzana when she becomes goddess of nightmares and winter, these like hardened life experiences. And so, yes, they're really about life lessons. They're about eternal truth. I don't know if I would, for me, just in my experience, have crones of being lesson teachers in that they are like uh, here to teach you something. It's more, it's an experiential learning. For me, gods and goddesses, the deities tend to be like, here's your challenge to learn a lesson. Here's like, welcome to class, <laughs> buckle up, buckaroos for class time type teachers where uh, crones have been the watch as I do, take what you need. If you, if you learn nothing from this, whatever, I don't care. I'm just here to be a, a mentor or a teacher. Like I would go to the crone's house to be an apprentice. I wouldn't apprentice with a deity. That would be nuts. <laughs> so for me, I, I like those aspects. In terms of using crones, I invoke Baba Yaga when I'm very much in a practical Sense. I invoke her for her creativity. I invoke her for her fortunes. You know, Bobby Yaga loves to give a fortune here and there of like what's to come. It's very much for chaotic purposes that I invoke Bobby Yaga when I'm just stuck because she creatively has lived eternally. So when I'm stuck in a practice or just stuck in a moment, she's the type of person that will mortar and pestle me out of stuckness versus invoking Martzana is about transition. I invoke her a lot in death. She's my favorite. I actually really like using her for um, the funeral rites or for death transitional work, especially from a familial space, like not honoring the dead and they're moving onward, but honoring like the, the struggle and the nightmares and the, like the death we all experience when a member of family dies like I really like invoking her for the grieving work because she's really good and then the Zoyras 
are, are just all about transitions, that there is magic in every part of your day. When you're long in the night and you're at the end, there's a beautiful magic to approach the twilight. When you're in that that small veil of twilight in like the fleeting moments, there's a magical place. And then Zoya of the Dawn, there's like lots to be done during the, a lot of magic during the day. And that you can transition between ages. That's my favorite thing about the Zoya sisters is that they're just like, they flop between ages by the day. They can go from young maiden to crabby old lady to like, you know, livid mother just by the time of day. And that they live all three at any given time and they are sisters, but a lot of times they're considered to be of one of one purpose. Same thing with, you know, any of the fates what, and usually always end up being three women. Mm -hmm. Women, as, again, queer women as the keepers of all things important in the universe. I don't know if, if as all deities, but I definitely think the queer feminine, the queer divine feminine is definitely the pillars of the universe because they tend to be the time magic you know, the earth, they like full, the pillars that hold everybody else up tend to be queer feminine or at least, um, you know, that kind of experience. But that's, that's, yeah, that's me. That was a little bit of ramble, but kind of no, all over. That's, that's really true. And it's interesting how our, our cultural sort of explorations have discovered different, different crones. My crones yeah. tend to be less chaos and actually more seasonal. I guess there's chaos in nature and that is what they represent. <laughs> They are certainty that we, like nature is certain. It just doesn't necessarily need to be ordered. And yeah, I agree with you that like deep crones, I wouldn't like you like the, the deities tend to kind of invite you in and they're like, come on, join us, have fun. Yeah, let's hang out, let's do our thing. Versus But a, they have skin in the game in that. Like deities and I take this a little bit because of American gods, but there's like a they have a skin in the game in order to keep themselves relevant and of the time they need followers so there's this like kind of need to to reach out and not and to connect because that's how they pass on versus our Jotun or you know like our giant crones with the Ankhiliak and Skavi and some of the the hags like Babiaga doesn't need practitioners because she just lives immortally and she'll connect when she wants to and she'll she disappear from whole sets of time and then like hundred years later, like all of a sudden Bobby Yaka is relevant, <laughs> relevant again, which I appreciate. I like the untethered ability to exist without requiring the need to be connected to not others, but connected to something that fuels you. Like you can fuel your own existence and creation. Mm, yeah. I like the idea of being, of, of, of basically, yeah, that eternality, that, that sort of certainty in uncertainty. Um, and I definitely agree with you. I wouldn't go to the Kaliaf with most things that I'd go to de other deities with. She's more like, like you know, you, like we were talking about, like the old hag um, at the edge of the village, you go and visit when you need to. But like, if you try to stick around, she'll be like, did I invite you to stay? Like, why are you still here? You don't Get move in. You, I need you to leave because this is my space. Yeah, or pick up a broom and get to work. This isn't a space to get to live for free. Yeah, free yeah. life. <laughs> so it's that kind of like, it's a place to visit or they'll visit you. But it's not as, in those cases that we've discussed, they're not individuals that I would like call to my altar on a weekly basis. Like I'd probably get like, why? Is this necessary? I don't think so. So I'm, I'm busy mm -hmm. elsewhere. Yeah. Crohn's taught me a lot about purpose, which you talked about. Like Crohn's taught me, especially in invoking 
the ne the necessity of purpose that like deities you can kind of call on just to call on you're like i have an inkling to call upon this because i'm feeling like this space which is kind right. of their domain and you can do that and you can kind of suss out the reason together but crones require kind of a clarity of purpose because if you call upon them not wrong but if you call upon them kind of incorrectly nothing bad will happen but you'll get a surprise that you didn't plan for it. and it'll almost be like oh my purpose wasn't clear enough when I called upon you. And so I got this result that is really unrelated to what I needed. I need to rethink and be stronger in my convictions as an individual. Like I need to be able to stand up on my own and call upon you, like go to the hag because I have this problem or wait until the hag comes to my house because she knows I have this problem. Like there's this stability of purpose that comes with working with crones. That actually reminds me of also the lack of insecurity um like they like I have like in my experiences with Crohn's is they don't really have baggage and they don't always appreciate baggage being brought to them um again that whole idea of like you're not coming to stay you're coming for a problem and then you're leaving they don't want you to pack for a night you know type of deal mm -hmm. um but like I've I've talked to and hopefully she won't be mad at me I haven't got the inclination she would be talking about it but um <laughs> that uh that like I was like now doing my druid stuff, which is very much to a focus. But I was like, what about our like working with Ankaliaga? And I basically got the idea like the the that um uh like what need do I have of a druid? Like you said, like why do I need a follower? Like I don't. And 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 I didn't get the idea that it was a that you know there was any problems with what I was doing. Just more like I don't need to be involved. Yeah, that, you know, also, I mean, that idea, the idea of like, I don't need to also be constantly involved in everything you do for this relationship to work. I'll be there when it needs to be. Like, I have no insecurities about this. This will be like, I'm not leaving. You're the one in, like, you've got all the problems. I'm fine, is the impression yeah. I get. I may be incorrect, but that is the impression that I get. Yeah, and it speaks to this, that, in, that eternality that Crohn's have almost singularly lived forever versus deities while you know existing for millennia and before and you know have had iterations uh, related to the people who have invested in them and believed in them so there's almost like cycles of death and rebirth when it comes to specific but like the Zoya sisters transition lifetimes but they live one singular existence the dying and rebirth isn't like a dying and rebirth of dying and living into a new life or dying living into a new cycle it's just one cycle so it's like almost uninterrupted they're the same zoira sisters that they've always been it's the same scavi who's always been so primal connected to earth that it's the the stability the 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 knowing about the unknown like they they're so confident and don't have baggage because they lived so long that they just know it'll work out. They don't know how, don't always know why, but they'll know it'll happen. They're not afraid of the unknown. The unknown is just the next thing to know, not the, oh God, what, what'll happen next. And this is just an impression and, and an idea. And I know that there will never be any answer because if you ask, if you ask a deity, like this is a fun thing to do and not necessarily a smart thing to do, but a fun thing to do. Ask a deity about like how the past worked or how things are created and you'll get a thousand different answers from any given like they have a like I don't think they know and I don't think any of us are supposed to know 
but I get the impression also that like the giants and these earth connected so deeply eternal, like their energy is from the creation of the planet. Like uh -huh. they, they never not necessarily existed as themselves as we know them since then, but their energies were created with the planet. Whereas deities, I get the impression they evolved with us as we interacted with the world, they came to be our ancestors and those hominids that came before us. Yep. As we interacted with the world, they came to be and then changed as we went. Whereas these energies, yes, they changed interacting with us, but they, the energies of those deeply eternal, deeply old, deeply earth-connected beings are, are older than we are, older than our species, mm -hmm. and therefore not entirely understandable versus deities, which are, you know, concepts that connect to us intrinsically. Yeah, which I, which I really like. I think the empowering thing about working with crones is I had almost... I would say, I would label it, I had anxiety working with a lot of deities because there's always questions of what will they ask of me, what's going to be the reciprocity demanded. And crones almost jarring at first were like, nah, I don't necessarily need anything. You want me to put a bargain on it? I'll put a bargain on it. Bobby Yaga loves to strike a deal. But it's almost like a shopping deal. Like this is a transaction at most, mostly because I like to mess with you, <laughs> you, you existing now. Um, but like, especially Jotuns or these deep earth connected almost have never asked for anything in return maybe asked for a reciprocity in this one time uh you know uh an honoring or something but not on the level that deities ever asked me of anything yeah I think that I, I agree actually thinking back on it I happen to like the god the deities I mostly deal with like the Tua have like a very they have a vested interest in not being like, they don't operate, their culture doesn't, from what I understand, it doesn't really operate on like a, I'm demanding of you. They kind of, they think of themselves as, well, they're the, the, their name literally means the people of many skills. So I think they think of themselves as teachers. And yes, I think that leads to a little bit of arrogance just in that they know they're good at things. And so th they're very aware of that, but they tend to be a little bit nicer, but they also have a vested interest, I think, in, the survival of and the rejuvenation of the their I guess what you could call their culture like whatever intertwining the Gaelic culture and they had they like anyone and want anyone who connects with them to keep that alive um I get the impression especially based on fairy folklore in Ireland that they were incredible and Scotland they were incredibly um insulted by Christianization in some mm -hmm. way um, versus, like, my impressions of giants and stuff that I worked with, they demand respect on the basis of just mutual dignity, but they don't have any vested interest in, like, humanity as a whole. We are yeah. equal, we are, I, I get the impression that we are equal parts annoying and interesting. Like, we are hopeful, we are children who can do some great things, and they kind of like watching us do great things. But we are equally destructive and therefore annoying because we don't have the we don't have the wisdom and we don't live long enough to have the sort of long view that they can take. Mm -hmm. And we also are pretty damaging to our environment, both past and present. Um, <laughs> Which is and them. <laughs> so we can we can be very obnoxious. It's like uh, yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like fleas and ticks and things. Like they're not inherently evil, and they're not inherently looking to destroy an organism but they can sometimes do it without knowing it or, or by taking too much or by, by being 
too obnoxious. So yeah. So if someone was interested in work in starting to work with Crohn's, especially because mm, through lots of different mechanisms, we're kind of entirely funneled into deity work in right. magical and pagan faiths. <laughs> what would be your your starting point for someone? And we're gonna obviously give a I, pretty European-based answer. <laughs> yes, very European-based answer. But for me, it, it's first is check yourself before you wreck yourself. Um, <laughs> The mistake I made going into, and I wouldn't even call it a mistake because it's led to a journey of such incredible learning, but going into a, a relationship with this idea that um, it's going to change who I am or it's going to bring, it's going to fix my baggage or help me fix my baggage. That's not how that works. You go, you have to go to it without, or with the, not necessarily without, because you can't just get rid of it, but understanding your hang-ups and your baggage mm -hmm. and you you may discover it while you're doing it too there's some things that it's hard to see if you've carried for a long time but from my understanding and my interactions crones don't have time for your shit and they will make <laughs> it very clear that they don't they will roll their eyes like i've gotten the eye i've figured out eye roll energy like what that feels like while i'm doing work and i get it a lot because i'm an anxious person like some of it i think is you don't need to be anxious about any of this this is pointless. And some of it is just like, I don't have time for that. I don't. And it's honest. So kind of walking into it with the understanding that um, this isn't going to be like, I devote myself to you and I'm going to be your follower forever. You're probably going to get laughed in your face. They're probably going to be cool. like, <laughs> and, and don't think of it as, I don't think it, it can be exclusive. You, you know, you, if you're into deity work, you'll still do your deity work, your ancestry work. Your, it's just another place to explore and understand and understand that it's going to take forever. It's a lifelong journey. You yeah. will you'll never go into it and you'll never be like, I'm an initiate. I'm a this, that, or the other thing. I'm a master. I'm a teacher to others. Like, no, you'll move in and out of roles and there'll never be like a clear defined role. Like you'll be like, the, the clear defined roles are, are you alive or are you dead? <laughs> the only defined Crunch. roles you'll get is, is, are you alive or are you dead, in my experience. So just kind of treat it like something that will pop up in your life when it's important, and it will recede, and then it will pop up, and it will recede, and it'll always be there. But whatever preconceptions you bring to the work are not going to work out. It's going to yeah. be what it wants to be. Like, there yeah. will be... Like, there will be some boundaries based on your boundaries, who you are, your culture, your language, your background, your family, blah, 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 blah. But when I went into working with Ankaliak and where I am now is very different. I went into it like, I'm going to learn so much and I'm going to be so much. I'm going to really focus and be like, huh, about this. And it turns out that's not how it works. <laughs> it's true. And for me... I, I guess I would say a good starting point for getting to work with deities on a metaphysical side, like the, the magic -y bits, is to <laughs> start to do the work of, uh, of, of shedding a lot of your uh, earthly considerations, not like your earthly positions, but uh, this is a good time to start unlearning uh, basically all your, all the world uh, oppressions. So 
shedding your white supremacy, shedding your uh, cishet patriarchy, shedding your insert other isms and oppressive system here, because that stuff will get in the way of working with deities or working with, working, deities, working with crones specifically, because in order to sometimes see crones, especially if you're working from uh, a culture that neither Colin nor I are a part of, so I, we couldn't like help you through it. There, there takes a special skill of being able to, to read past society in a lot of stories to find where your crones are because some many of them hide in plain sight labeled as other things labeled as monsters and destroyers or goddesses and like they, they exist they've just been written because a, a crone almost a lot of ways doesn't fight how people write stories about them they just let those things be so it takes a special skill they have to develop to be able to read past society to find your crones and what is a good connector. Absolutely, and I know we've been talking about our crones in a very specific way, the ones we're bringing up, but crones take a lot of shapes, sizes, and also part of the shedding process is shedding how you view gender. Mm -hmm. Because I found that Mononon McLear is what I think of when I think of a masculine presenting crone. Mm -hmm. And he's much more personable, say, than Ankalia, but he's very much got that vested, he, he's he sits on the boundary and again he's not earth he's the sea and so of course he's mercurial and changing and a very different experience and so don't look for your crones just in the earth in solidity but look at them in the ocean in the sky in the animals and the, they'll they'll present themselves in many different ways and that doesn't mean just women doesn't mean just one age group like ian said those those considerations and assumptions will be stripped away um, need to be stripped away and you'll be able to start seeing them where they're at and just because one person is a crone one day doesn't necessarily mean they'll be a crone the next yeah <laughs> it's true learning to work with crones means learning to roll with the punches because sometimes a crone will show up very deity like hey let's work on offerings and the hymns and rituals and then the next they'll be like okay here's your lesson i'm gonna go over there <laughs> yeah and I mean, it's it may seem confusing, and it is confusing because we're trying to put these huge cosmic co magical concepts into boxes that are able our, for our tiny human brains to like make sense of. So we are talking in circles. We are trying to encapsulate in a language which is inherently limited <laughs> in a what is experiential, what is not based in our human concerns in many ways, or are based in human concerns but outside of a human perspective. Yeah. And they yeah. will appear as human sometimes. And I think that bridges the gap a little bit, but it's also good to remind yourself too that they're not quite human. They yeah. are connected to us, but they are not quite human no matter how much they look human. And it's hard not to think about, like to, to remind yourself of that, especially when they are anthropomorphoid, but they... They go beyond us. They can be animals. They can be natural concepts. They can mm -hmm. be human, but they are yeah. not just, they are not just us. They could be your we grandmother. Are not, <laughs> we are not the only lens that the universe can take, like that things in the universe can take. And we often forget that because we live in our own eyes or our own senses. I shouldn't say eyes is ableist alone, but mm -hmm. we live in our own senses and our own bodies. Um, Very much so. But yeah, so 
I guess that was us. That's us revisiting our Chrome conversation. I'm interested, and I encourage our listeners to do a dual listen episodes together because I, I, I probably will later of listening episode one to this episode. Yeah, because I really, I one, I know there's a lot of change conceptually, but I'm actually interested also like metaphysically the ways we speak about Crohn's from episode one to to now. Well, I'd say that I my my immediate kind of guesses i'd say that we're probably a little bit older and wiser than when we started ah, and or that's more not, crony that's not that's not the process of the year but more process of the the life stages and transitions we went from school to being professionals we went from pandemic <laughs> we, yeah we, we've gone through the stages of pandemic we've gone through we're going through this political upheaval we're going through our own life journeys so i would say the last year has been a deeply teaching deeply feeling, deeply hurting time. And so we've changed considerably as people. Yep. <laughs> Very much so. I mean, we haven't done a Corona of the Month in a while. Do, we ha do you have a Corona of the Month you would like to propose? I think that we should, um, we should uh, do our Corona of the Month. I feel like we should revisit Scotty because I think that she needs more love and I don't see her as her often she's just kind of like oh look another acer adjacent person who's not important so i say we we, we do scotty as our crown of the month yeah so scotty here's to you yeah the only Aesir who's boss using your husband and making it kind of work and being honest to yourself <laughs> absolutely and um she i would suggest listeners like Really, like, like, not just Scotty, but I think Scotty's a great reminder of, like, look into the stories. Not just, like, the, like, oh, I'm going to the magic store and buying a magic book. But, like, find, like, a book of folklore and, like, mm -hmm. chew over it. Or even better, find, like, a podcast that is, like, telling the story because these stories are meant to be told. Or if you find it in a book, tell it to yourself. Record it or something and listen to oh. it. Or, or tell it to other people and, like chew over it and one one time through isn't going to do it like as you get to learn the story i think it'll build connections and then as you interact with like for instance scotty new facets will reveal themselves to you and and that relationship becomes much more interesting and much more um empowering yeah so if you like this episode, you can interact with us on many of social media platforms here on Spotify. You can follow us. I don't think they do like, rate, and subscribe anymore on these on Spotify, but I think you can do that on Apple Podcasts still. So like us, follow us, promote us to your friends, please. Yes, please. <laughs> and then you can follow us on social media. We're not super active because we're bad social media people. We're bad. We're not good media. at it. Yes. It's okay. It's, it's what we live with. Um, but we're on Facebook, Singular Crone Porch, C-R-O-N-E-P-O-R-C-H. And then on Instagram and Twitter, Crone's Porch, C-R-O-N-E-S-P-O-R-C-H. And you can also email us, gmail.com, uh, Crone's Porch at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> Insert weird face here that they can't. <laughs> Car salesman, thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely and a shout out to the people from the isle of guernsey who tuned in like hope to be seeing you again uh, make it and, <laughs> and i will say schlan 
And I'll say that's Dania, and we'll see you for our Ostara slash Marsana Day episode coming up Ooh. real soon.